Whether you're a first-time poultry owner or looking to expand your flock, you can always use some helpful advice. Blaine's Farm and Fleet's got you covered. With great info and products to help raise healthy birds in-store or online at farmandfleet.com forward slash chick days. She's like your older sister, but louder. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Getting loud this morning with uh, Matt Trannell from Everag. He's going to be our special guest, giving us an idea on insights on what's happening with dairy trends. Good morning, everyone. Pam Yonke, glad you're along with us. Oh, did you enjoy that weather yesterday? Just a little taste of spring, right? And as you would expect today, everything turns around. Definitely taking a dip as far as temperatures are concerned and starting to get a little complicated when it comes to precipitation. Cloudy skies on the way today, 37 are expected high. Tonight will drop down to 28. Then tomorrow, it does look like we could see some precipitation. It's going to be cold, 36 the expected high on Friday with occasional snow that could develop, especially from Dane County to the, to the south and east. In fact, they could see another one to five inches of snow by the evening on Friday. Heaviest is going to be along that Illinois state line again. Like I said, on Friday, daytime highs about 36. We'll find out just exactly what that line of precipitation on Friday looks like. Stumach, our ag meteorologist, is coming along in about 15 minutes. I look at this dairy cow, and again, it's the animal that I love. The things that this dairy cow can do and the way that she can produce milk, to me, there is no substitute for milk in the world. And to be able to keep cows and help cows produce that for people, to me, that's a privilege. I'm Dr. Bill Zimmer, founder of BioVet. Microbials and nutritional support, that's BioVet. Learn more at bio-vet.com. Exciting and beet breeding don't usually go in the same sentence. But one recent UW grad has managed to share his excitement over the work he has done through his master's program in a way that has people eager to learn more about plant genetics. From the southern end of the longest barn in Madison, this is Carrie Mess. Adam D'Angelo just finished up his master's on the UW-Madison campus. The New Jersey native did his undergrad at Rutgers researching hazelnuts before he found his way to the Midwest. His master's focus? researching table beets and improving their flavor and eating quality. He then went on to use social media to share more about what he does. So Adam, tell me about your time here on campus. Sure. So I worked in Irwin Goldman's lab, and that's the table beet, onion, and carrot breeding program at UW. And my project was focused on breeding table beets for flavor and eating quality. And I did that by focusing on a few important compounds that really impact whether people like beets or not. Uh, and if you've had beets before, you probably realize they, they have that earthy flavor, and that's caused by a compound that's the same compound that causes the smell after a rainstorm. Uh, it's called geosmin, and that was one of the main things I focused on. I also focused on compounds that had to do with the uh, burning sensation you get when eating raw beets and also the sweetness that people perceive. I never knew some people had a burning sensation from eating beets. Yeah, so it's only when you eat them raw, which is why a lot of people cook them, uh, but Eating a raw vegetable, you get a lot more of the nutritional impact from that. So we're trying to develop new varieties of beets where you can just pull them out of the field, cut them, and eat them raw. Picture having beet sticks in your Happy Meal instead of carrot sticks. And we've been able to do that. We have low oxalic acid, that's the molecule I'm talking about, low oxalic acid beets that are low geosmin and high sucrose. So they're nice and sweet, they're crisp, they're colorful, and they're delicious. 
uh, and we're really excited about that product. In the world of Beats, UW-Madison has a lot to be proud about. Absolutely. We are the only public table beat breeding program, and by far the oldest. And we've been working for, for many years. It started with Warren Buck Gobelman, who started in the 50s or 60s, and it's been continued with Erwin Goldman for the past 20 or 30 years. Uh, we've made great progress, and it's been really exciting to see the shift kind of start to hit the more consumer-centric side of things, which I think is important. You know, I love beets, but I I don't cook with them as often because they're such a mess, <laughs> and I don't like getting everything stained with beets, but some of the new beets are not purple. Yeah, I think you might like some of our new new yellow or orange beets, and there's also some cool white beet varieties that have been coming out. So they don't have the same, but they got the same great flavor, great culinary characteristics. I think people really like them. They, they look really nice. Badger Flame is one of the varieties that has come out of that lab, and it's a really interesting beet, if that's a, a thing. Tell me more. So Badger Flame is the one we've been promoting the most, and it's been released. You'll see it in Whole Foods this year. Uh, it's really been getting a lot of press. We had a billboard in Boston. Uh, so that, that's been exciting to see a beet in Boston. And uh, some of our other varieties that are just getting released, we just had five new ones released from a participatory plant breeding program, which is where uh, we solicited input from farmers, chefs, and consumers uh, into making our selections for beets. And that was to work with Dr. Solveig Hansen. So those are getting released and will be working their way into seed catalogs pretty soon. I want to talk a little bit about some of the outreach work that you've done as well, in particular social media. You use TikTok and YouTube to kind of share the story of your research and what you're doing there on campus. Yeah, and that's that's sort of been a development. Uh, I started off on YouTube, and then I sort of had to realize what people were watching, and people like short-form content. So that's what I started making. So you can find me on uh, The Seed Scholar. That's on YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, and I make short-form videos about plant breeding and plant genetics and other cool things in plant science. Uh, and over the past couple of years, I've had over 2 million people watch my videos about plant breeding and plant genetics, which is, uh, I think is unprecedented. Um, and at the very least, it's been a really cool experience and has led to a lot of new opportunities for me. It can definitely be kind of wild when what you put out on social media takes off. Yeah, and it's been nice to see the sort of community out there. And it's very encouraging to see how many people are interested in this sort of work and how we can you know, give farmers tools, provide consumers higher quality produce. I think the message really resonates with a lot of people because uh, I think people in general feel like some of their food in the supermarket has does not have the same flavor value or eating quality or nutritional value that maybe their grandparents had. I think to some extent that's true, but I think the uh, the tides are turning in that form of things. Absolutely. I've run across that quite a bit, that people seem to think that anything commercially produced is not as nutritious, and it has to be heirloom garden produce to have that nutritional qualities that they're seeking. But that also plays into, you know, ultimately, eating a vegetable is always going to be better than eating a candy bar. If we can make vegetables taste better, then you're going to increase consumption, and that might be the best way just to improve the diets of Americans, because we're eating a lot fewer fruits and vegetables than previous generations did. I don't think most people would say, you know what, I'm going to go on social media and watch videos about beets. But you've done that and people are watching. What are you hearing back from them? I have a lot of engagement and I feel like what's really nice is I'm starting to build a community. The same people are commenting, they're having conversations, you know, and those conversations lead to new videos. So the content is starting to make itself now because I can, I can respond to questions that people have and interests that they have. I think that's, that's a really powerful thing because uh, the 
content is being tailored directly to what people want. I was about a minute late calling you for our interview because I was on YouTube watching a video you made about flies and carrot breeding, and it was edited really well, very engaging. Do you do it all yourself, or do you work with someone to help you out with kind of the production of the videos you're making? I do it all myself. Uh, it was a big learning curve to to get there, and it's a lot of work, but I think I enjoy it, yeah. <laughs> you think you enjoy it? That's, <laughs> that is social media summed up in a nutshell. <laughs> I, I started making these videos really because my parents didn't know what I did, so I wanted to show them something where I could be like, this is what I'm working on, this is how I'm doing it, and I needed to find a way to explain it to them who don't have as much knowledge as myself or my coworkers do, and that turned out to be a lot more challenging than I thought it would be. That's a great reason to start. I know that hearing back from people that are learning from you can be one of the reasons that people keep doing social media outreach. So tell me about some of those messages you've received. I think people have a, a general misconception that the food we eat today is the same as it's always been, that you know beets just came out of nature, when really all of our modern food crops have a long history of selection and uh, agriculture and plant breeding behind them before we've gotten the quality we currently have. So People initially seem to be uh, wary of the fact that we're breeding beets to taste better, but when I show them a picture of beta meridima, the wild sea beet, they can see just how different this is from nature and how really this is a human-cultivated organism. This is something that we've designed. It's a good, it's a product, uh, and yes, it grows in the dirt, and it's, it's healthy for you, and it's great, and it's natural, but uh, it didn't just come out of nature. It's definitely hard to communicate the science of plant breeding when people are distrustful of what we're doing. But in the end, you're working to improve the options we have in the grocery store, and that's a good thing. I mean, we're currently living in a time where we have the most unfettered access to high-quality food in the history of humanity. Uh, very few people are starving compared to previous generations. Uh, so it's a really exciting time, and I think sometimes it's hard for people to realize just how lucky we are to have a stable food system like we have. That was Adam D'Angelo, a fresh master's graduate from UW-Madison. If you're interested in seeing what he's doing online, search The Seed Scholar on YouTube, TikTok, or Instagram. I know I found his videos really interesting. From the southern end of the longest barn in Madison, this is Carrie Mess. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. That squeal you're hearing while you come to a stop, that's your brakes crying for help. At Tom's Auto Center, we offer five-star brake repair on all makes and models. Stop by for a brake fluid and brake inspection. If your brakes are talking to you or screaming for help, we'll diagnose it and give you a written estimate. We want you to be able to trust your brakes. Tom's Auto Center, we're the getter, fix, getter, done to get you going, guys. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. The Young Farmer and Agriculturist Program with the Wisconsin Farm Bureau means for young farmers, it's a group of people that are like-minded who work together for the common good in agriculture. Some examples would be being on the state YFA committee or egg in the classroom or anything else that you would like to participate in. WFBF.com. You should join us. A voice for farmers. A vision for agriculture. Wisconsin Farm Bureau. What if you didn't care about being on the fast track? Instead of flying to the big interview, what if you flew somewhere else altogether, like a village in Botswana or a tiny island in the Pacific where needs are easy to see? What if you decided to share your skills with others and help someone else get ahead? 
Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 800-424-8580 or visit peacecorps.gov. Create the floors you love this season with DIY and budget-friendly flooring from Wiseway. With Wiseway Flooring's direction, you'll only need to be moderately handy to accomplish brand new floors. I'm Mike Yenser at Wiseway Flooring, inviting you to visit our showroom in Watertown, Lake Mills, and Economwalk. See how our do-it-yourself products might be the right thing for you. Commercial or residential, the wise have it. Log on to INeedFlooringNow.com. Hang on to your tractors. Here's another update. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. Oh, just take a deep breath of that fresh air that we enjoyed yesterday around Wisconsin. Uh, Hopefully you did because it's gone now. Time to talk weather. Stu our ag meteorologist, joining us. It really was beautiful yesterday. I mean, there was still maybe a pile of snow here or there, but you definitely got the sense that spring's around the corner. Good thing that you got a chance to maybe take advantage yesterday because suddenly it changes again. It does change, Pan, but not for the drastically worse this weekend or even the end of the week, but there will be several little chances of precipitation trying to move in. I had some good news I'll share from yesterday as well. It dawned on me, and I had to look. Doesn't it seem like the days are getting longer? Would you believe it that in this last week, we've gained on average of three and four minutes of daylight per day? gaining almost two minutes every morning, two minutes every evening with sunrise and sunset. We gain like four minutes a day for the next handful of days. After all, spring officially starts here in March, and that sunshine is really getting to be a bigger part of our day. I mean, when you start adding four minutes a day for a handful of days, that's 20 minutes or better. That really shows up. Let it register. Those days are getting longer, and conditions are improving, getting more spring-like, no doubt. But we do have to look ahead here and look at a low-pressure system, a system that's going to move way up from down around Texas, Oklahoma, southern parts of Arkansas. Uh, That low is going to push up towards southeast Missouri, southern Illinois, and up into Indiana to start the weekend. Boy, that sounds a long way off, but it is just southeast of Wisconsin, and it's that system that I have to mention that could mean some precipitation, especially southeast Wisconsin. Racine County, undoubtedly going to see some precipitation later Friday or just to start the weekend. The rest of us, a small chance, maybe some flurries, some light snow in about that southeast quarter of the state. But that system is just there. If it were to push a little further north, there'd be a greater chance of snow uh, than just a little light chance. But we'll watch that one yet for tomorrow. Could have a little more impact. Otherwise, a weak cool front swings through out of the northwest. That weak front may account for just a precipitation possibility as we make our way on into Saturday. In the south, a little rain or snow. A little further north, just some very light snow. I don't expect it to amount to much of anything. You know, if it were all going to be rain, less than a tenth of an inch. If it's snow, a little dusting that might be seen. But that happens a little later Saturday and into Saturday evening. And then things get a little more organized. And it's a bit more likely later Sunday and into Sunday night. That especially in southern Wisconsin, we talk about some rain and snow uh, late Sunday, some rain and snow Sunday night that lasts into Monday. That system 
pulling that's still on moisture building up out of the south may account for a little more of a wet way to wrap up our weekend and start next week. Oh, I don't expect it's going to be a six-inch snow, but some sloppy wet precipitation around again. You add that to longer days and temperatures that stay a little more mild. That all sounds like springtime conditions are in store as well. So I guess we have to look at it that way. We need to see these changes as spring finally starts to settle in. And we are getting changes with a pretty active weather pattern that's going to be in store here, not just uh, for the next day or so, but right on into early next week. I'll have our forecast details right after this. As that sandwich got a little predictable? Well, kick it up a notch with a visit to Bavaria Sausage. Pam Yankee here for Judy and the crew. They're looking for you Monday through Friday, 9 until 5, at their retail location, corner of Nesbitt Road, Fitchrona Road in Fitchburg, or always available online, BavariaSausage.com, Bavaria Sausage on Facebook. You know, just about the time you think you know everything that's held within the doors and online, under Bavaria Sausage, you get a surprise. Like when you take a look at all the deli meats and cheeses that they've got waiting for you, all with that real old-world authentic flavor. They've got salami, mustard seed, peppercorn, picante, all of it with that Bavarian-Hungarian flair. And don't forget about some of those other appetizers that you might want to treat yourself to. Herring, fish, caviar, salmon. It's all in one place. And they're ready to serve you with a smile. BavariaSausage.com. Or Monday through Friday, 9 until 5, face-to-face, Bavaria Sausage at the corner of Nesbitt Road, Fitchrona Road in Fitchburg. All righty, buddy. Let me know how we're going to be dressed in the next 24 hours. Well, the next 24, dress like it's still, you know, late winter. Temps aren't going to be all that great. Uh, mostly cloudy today, and I expect a lot of upper 30s. That's a, a little cooler than normal, or right in the neighborhood, if you will. And our winds will be northeast about 5 to 10. Overnight, still mostly cloudy, into the mid or upper 20s, with east winds about 5 to 10. Then there's Friday, cloudy skies, and especially in southeast Wisconsin, that chance of a little scattered light snow. As far as the Boston and La Crosse are concerned, a cloudy day is about the most we see on Friday. Temps again in the upper 30s, with the northeast winds at 5 to 15. Saturday, partly sunny skies. A chance of some very light snow or a rain-snow mix. Could even be in the morning at La Crosse and Boston. More likely into the afternoon when you head further east and south. A little bit of light activity that may last into Saturday night. Saturday's temps, though, push up into the low and mid-40s with the west winds at 5 to 10. And I expect again towards Sunday afternoon, Pam, another round of some of that light rain or snow could make it kind of sloppy as we start to next week. Hey, you mentioned rain. Uh, They have launched again the rainfall reporter campaign through the National Weather Service. Um, There's a lot of geography in Wisconsin that has absolutely zero rainfall reporters. And uh, as you probably can attest to, if you don't have what they call something to ground truth, your forecast, that can be pretty tough. I mean, you, you are, you've you got to wait a lot of time to try to just get some data, don't you? Yep, I've got five stations that reported right now from the Weather Service. So, you know, sign up. It's not that hard. You check your official gauge, you make your report, and then we can talk about it in the morning. Yeah, and like I said, it really does help. And for people that are in, like, county government or uh, folks that might have to trigger paperwork if we get a drought or if we get flooding you're kind of on the bubble too because without this rainfall reporting ground truth data from out in the country uh sometimes triggering some of that emergency service money uh disaster declaration all that kind of stuff you gotta have data so uh think about getting signed up all right buddy we'll catch up with you tomorrow and see if we've got any rainfall reports or maybe it'll still be snow huh 
it might just be a couple of snowflakes if we have anything. Otherwise, uh, I think we're talking more toward the weekend. All right. Sounds good. See you tomorrow. See ya. Stumacher, Ag Meteorologist, again with those weather details for you. And like I said, if you want to contribute and be involved in that uh, rainfall effort, we'd welcome you to pop on over to WisconsinWeatherWatchers.org. That'll connect you with the National Weather Service. WisconsinWeatherWatchers.org. They are doing their March Madness campaign, trying to get folks signed up in the month of March. So like I said, now is the time to take action. Learn more. WisconsinWeatherWatchers.org. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. There goes Pam Yonke across Wisconsin in her suburban truck. Thanks to our equipment. Check out the affordable, efficient, versatile tractor line at our equipment and ask for Mr. Versatile, Chump Gill. And from the Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, promoting Wisconsin's world-class dairy products since 1983. Look for their proudly Wisconsin badge on dairy products. Keep up with Pam at fabulousfarmbabe.net on Facebook and Twitter. Get ready for spring with a little help from your neighbors at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Right now, save on five-gallon pails of Farm and Fleet 15W40 diesel oil on sale $59.99. Stock up on Clean Def diesel exhaust fluid, two and a half gallons, just $12.49. And make sure your equipment is ready for the roads with new trailer lights from Blazer, now 10% off. That's genuine value from Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Find value at Blaine's Farm and Fleet. Hi, it's Tori DeVito. In every family, small conversations can make a big impact. I grew up on tour with my parents. Kind of different, but we bonded over music just like other families do over sports, camping, or other interests. And we talked. Little everyday conversations from silly to serious that built a foundation over time. Honest conversations, like when my dad shared his experiences as an alcoholic. Your honesty about that part of your life gave me a sense of integrity that I wanted to uphold in my own life. And I was so grateful that you and mom had become these sober, stable people who were always there for me. I wanted you to know from someone who's been in recovery more than 30 years now, that hard work is what creates success, not alcohol or other drugs, whether it's music or anything else. I said it a lot, and I'm glad you took it to heart. Talk, they hear you. For more information about talking with your kids about underage use of alcohol and other drugs, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. You're no stranger to hard work and eating right, but your abs are more like flabs. Carbon World Health offers MSculpt, an FDA-approved treatment for men who want to transform their physique. One session is equivalent to 20,000 crunches without the painful recovery. Melt fat, build and tone muscle, then start getting the results you're looking for. MSculpt at Carbon World Health. Learn more at CarbonWorldHealth.com. I didn't ask to be thrown in the streets with nowhere to go. I, so I didn't think I'd survive. But I did ask for help, and Covenant House was there for me. One in ten young adults will experience a form of homelessness this year. For these kids who didn't ask to be put in this unthinkable situation, Covenant House is there. Covenant House helped me break the cycle of homelessness in my family. They gave me the love that I needed. Over 2,000 young people will sleep safely in a Covenant House bed tonight. When youth who are experiencing homelessness have a hot meal, a safe place to sleep, 
medical care, and love, they can overcome heartbreaking challenges and have a brighter future. They just really genuinely just wanted to help me succeed, and I'm succeeding. I'm a, I'm a speaker, I'm an author. Covenant House really helped me and really helped mold me into the woman I am today. If you or someone you love is asking for help, go to safeplacetosleep.org today. Is your biggest fear of having dermal filler in the face looking overdone? You are not alone. A Skincare Minute with skincare expert, Michelle Neeson. Dermal filler treatments at Rejuvenation Clinic of Sauk Prairie restore fullness and fill in wrinkles in areas of the face, such as the cheeks, under eyes, lips, and around the mouth. It's very difficult to look overdone with non-surgical dermal fillers due to the amount that's typically injected. Did you know that one syringe of filler equals one-fifth of a teaspoon? One fast food ketchup packet is equivalent to eight syringes. As long as your treatment is performed by a skilled medical professional, you should have the natural looking results you desire. Let your natural beauty shine through. Visit us at rejuvenationclinicofsaukprairie.com. When it comes to custom wedding rings, get to know your Denny's jeweler. Denny's Jewelers does offer affordable custom wedding bands. Whether it be gold, silver, diamonds, gemstones, platinum, you bring your wedding band idea and we'll point you in the right direction. We'll show you all the options. I am Sarah Denny Alexander. Come meet the entire Denny's family at Denny's Jewelers. The other thing that, you know, Brian has changed his answer to is this question. So if Aaron Rodgers is no longer the quarterback, is Jordan Love ready to take over? Yeah, I think he's ready to play, and I think he's ready to be an NFL starting quarterback. Um, he's he's worked really hard. He's shown a lot of progression. Uh, I know he's really eager um, to have that, and I think that's the next step in his progression is, is to play. Now, the tone has kind of changed in Brian Gutekunst about Jordan Love. Usually it's like he would never give you like a solid answer, but now it's like, yeah, he's a starter. I feel like, like the verbiage has changed. The tone has changed, Mike. Like even he told the national press when asked about it, he says the next step for Jordan is to play. In other words, you know, he's he's been the uh, the the intern, uh, the apprentice for three years, and you know he's gotten some spots. Maybe, you know, we wish we could have gotten a little bit more last year, but we're convinced that he's ready. He's qualified to be an NFL starting quarterback, mm-hmm. and then and after he starts some games and gets a chance to play, then then the last chapter for him is can he can he win? You know, can he actually control a game in the fourth quarter? and put you over the top in the clutch to win games. And, you know, if you're Brock Purdy, somehow you go 7-0 and with that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if you're most quarterbacks, it's, you know, you're up and down, like Mahomes was just a few years ago, before you get that killer thing in the fourth quarter yeah. and you can put a game away. Uh, we, we all know that Aaron Rodgers, is, you know, he still wants Mercedes Lewis. He wants Randall Cobb. Mason Crosby, he talked about Mason Crosby. Uh, Brian Goodikin said well, last year Crosby you know, did a tremendous job on what he went through in terms of having that knee surgery just before uh, training camp and still being able to come back and perform at the level he did. And so he explained that there's probably some weakness that Mason had, but he thinks that that would be okay this year. There was no guarantees, though, that Crosby's coming back. 
so he was asked point blank about Alan Lazard because Alan just did an interview the other day. He says, I, I think I'm going to be a free agent. I don't think Green Bay's going to call me back. He thinks he's going to be just like Marquez Valdez Scantling or even Equinemia St. Brown, a former Packer who gets a better deal or offer. Uh, more money and free and uh, free agency, and you know who knows about Tom Clements, the the quarterback coach. But uh, Gutekinds was asked, well, "Who do you see as the leaders of this team these days?" And he said, "Oh, you know, Jair Alexander, Devondre Campbell, uh, even Quay Walker after a rookie season, Kenny Clark." And he said, "And, and Elton Jenkins, and Aaron Jones." So basically, every guy who's he just restructured their contract. Yeah. That's who he saw as as the leaders of the team. Didn't mention, you know, Aaron Rodgers or anybody else at that time. And then he was asked, listen to this carefully. He was asked about what spots on the roster does he need to improve on? Uh, and, and, and this does not sound very good for Mercedes Lewis, Robert Tunyon, or at safety, Adrian Amos. Well, I think, you know, we got a lot of, you know, we got a lot of areas that are unknown right now. You know, right now I think we we only have a couple, you know, a few tight ends coming back from last year, so there's some some holes there. I think that those guys either got to step into those roles and fill them, or we're going to have to kind of look, you know, other places. Um, you know, our secondary is a little bit unsettled. We have you know a couple of safeties that were moving on that uh, that were here last year. So, um, but um, yeah, I think you know as a, as a whole, I really like our nucleus coming back. Um, you know, how everything shapes up by the time we get to September, we'll see. Yeah. Is, is he leaving the little breadcrumb trails? Yeah, Rowdy? Mike, he likes the nucleus coming back in some of those positions, so it sounds like he likes clean slates. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. And also, by the way, um, you know, earlier he'd said, um, yeah, we really like this class of tight ends coming up in this year's draft. Oh, okay. Mm, interesting. Right. So, you know, Josiah DeGora, you know, he may be the the new veteran tight end of the team. Now, here's the other thing about, you know, that's great about Combine. If you run around the building and you can chase these guys down the hallway talking to their local reporters, uh, you can get some pretty good information. Like, all right, uh, Rogers comes back but says, hey, you know, if you're not going to bring back my guys, then go ahead, just trade me. And so one obvious place is you think he'd, he would reunite with Devontae Adams out in uh, Las Vegas because they got rid of Derek Carr and there's Josh McDaniels, McDaniels guy, the, the head coach, uh, just standing there. And so he was asked, what kind of quarterback do you want next in Las Vegas? You know, look, the, the, the goal for us eventually is to have somebody that's going to be here for a long time. I think that, you know, you see the teams that are having success right now. If you've ever driven a tractor, you're her friend. This is the Farm Report with Pam Yonke. Definitely a change in the weather today and more changes on the way tomorrow. Morning, everybody. I'm Farm Director Pam Yonke. Yeah, get ready. Today, not much better than about 37 degrees under cloudy skies. Tomorrow, cloudy with some snow that could be developing south and east of Madison. Tomorrow's highs around 36 degrees. Looking forward to seeing a lot of you folks a little bit later today in DeForest, the Yahara Pride Watershed having their annual conference, and uh, they've asked me to moderate, so I'll see you in DeForest later today. So today is the second day of March. What can I tell you? Well, on this day back in 1933, the film King Kong premieres. It was black and white, and it really marked a milestone as far as the history of film because uh, Willis O'Brien used stop-motion effects, basically 
the animated effects that were the gorilla. A lot of different technology that people got to see when King Kong premiered on this day back in 1933. couple of happy birthdays this morning. Happy birthday to actor Daniel Craig. He's 55. Rebel Wilson, she's 43 years young. Musician John Bon Jovi, born on this day back in 1962. And now you know. Well, a lot of attention's been paid over the past couple of weeks to the Food and Drug Administration's announcement that they are going to allow plant-based beverages to use the phrase milk. Now, many of us in the dairy industry know the definition of milk is coming from a mammal. Well, the Food and Drug Administration says that doesn't matter to them, and that's got a lot of people in the dairy industry quite concerned. They don't work on policy, but they sure do represent and protect dairy's image. I'm talking about Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin. I talked to Chad Vinson, their president, CEO, about the recent discussion Food and Drug Administration's having with the dairy industry, as well as plant-based companies, and uh, this whole debate over using the phrase milk. And like I said, although Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin is not involved at all in policy work, he says they are paying attention to this one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and thanks for clarifying up front, because that's one of the questions I get most often is, you know, what are you doing about this policy work? And, you know, when they put us together, they said, you guys will, you know, your checkoff, your promotion, your marketing, you are not lobbying. And so we're not allowed to get in this world. But there are a lot of really, you know, it's a we do we all wish that that uh, that they would enforce the laws that are on the book that says that you know milk comes from from animals and mammals, right? And so they're still not willing to do that. But the good news about this one, there is a, there is a little bit of a silver lining in that, you know, it's this isn't a law yet. They still have a sixty day open comment period, which I'll talk to you about briefly. But you know, they are saying that the that that they really understand now that consumers don't understand the nutritional differences between alt milks or alt beverages and milk. And so they're, they're putting, they're, they're having these, the, the alt companies voluntarily at this point in time, put on a, a nutrition statement noting the differences. So, you know, there's actually advertisements that are showing up already in print that are stating things like, um, you know, they call out the sugar content, and then they say, "quote not nutritionally equivalent to dairy milk" at the bottom of the ad. So, there there is a silver lining in this, and there still are people fighting um, tooth and nail to get the the milk to be what true milk is, and get the other people leveraging our 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 the the farmers' hard earned work and and reducing the consumers' confusion by getting that word milk off of things that are not milk. Yeah. And I've said it's important that we get this right, so to speak, because there's so many uh, imitation products that are coming out now, uh, be it in a dairy aisle or be it in the meat aisle, that are continuing to confuse consumers and kind of muddy the water on what you're really getting. The other point you made is that FDA has opened up a public comment opportunity, but that opportunity has to be used by the dairy producers that are going to be impacted, Chad. That's another one of those areas where you can get 100 lobbyists writing a piece of paper, but one dairy producer, one farmer speaking up, can almost uh, negate that 100 lobbyists. Absolutely. And so, you know, all the groups will be, I'm sure, will be getting the word out in terms of where this is. But for your your listeners, you can go to um, www.regulations.gov. 
and then it takes you to the it'll take you to a website page and you look at nobody can remember this but fda.2023.d-0451 it'll be on everybody's website you'll be able to find it later if you don't have time to get to jot it down but make your you know you all people say how do i my voice doesn't count your voice counts immensely so if you take 30 seconds to go in there and drop a drop a note to the FDA it will make a difference you your neighbors consumers everybody's got to get in and weigh in the more people that weigh in, the better chance we have of them actually listening to the masses. You know, the other thing, as a dairy producer, you should be thinking about the efficiency of your checkoff dollars. If this continues to move the way that it's moving, and all of a sudden the phrase milk is showing up on everything, doesn't that make the job of promoting true dairy products a little bit more challenging too, Chad? It, it really does. And, you know, we continually do the the good news is, is that on a national level, we've got National Dairy Council, which is part of Checkoff, which is doing all the science and providing all that fact and that, and that, that research and that insight. But yeah, it makes it harder because we have to spend even more time explaining to people why they want milk versus, dairy, versus the alternative stuff. And, you know, we're also ham- hamstrung because everything we, everything we say goes through USDA before, and we cannot disparage and that's a pretty loose word, or it's a pretty tight word when you get to USDA, any agricultural product. So, you know, these, these private companies that are heavily funded by, by, by Wall Street and by private finances, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars going into this, they can say whatever they want. And they often do. Chad Benson, he's the president and CEO of Dairy Farmers of Wisconsin, driven by your dairy checkoff dollars. And I remind you, they don't get involved in policy work. They are not lobbying, but they are trying to protect the good name and reputation of dairy. I did not know that under USDA guidelines, no disparaging words from any checkoff-driven organization about a competitive product like those uh, plant-based beverages. Remember, the 60-day window is still open for your comments to the Food and Drug Administration about their allowance of milk on plant-based beverages. Just uh, go to the FDA website and find out where you can have your voice heard. My name is Cameron Olson, owner of Olson Solar Energy. This is the direction that the world is going. I know our customers really have to look at the bottom dollar. This needs to financially make sense, but this is one of those rare things that really it's not just nice for your wallet, but it's also nice for the planet and for the earth. And uh, it's pretty fun to be part of it. Go to OlsonSolarEnergy.com and start saving. Go green, save green with Olson Solar Energy. Take a trip to the grocery store and you'll pay record high prices for food while multinational corporations rake in massive profits. Meanwhile, the farmer's share of the food dollar is only 15 cents. Farmers Union is fighting for laws in the Farm Bill, like a competition title, that promote fair markets. A healthy and vibrant food system is possible, but we can't get there without fairness for farmers. Visit fairnessforfarmers.org, paid for by National Farmers Union. I need to pass along a sad note this morning for anybody that was connected with UW Discovery Farms on-farm research efforts. Chances are you met Eric Cooley, who was the director of UW Discovery Farms. He worked really hard to advance economic and environmental work uh, between farms and campus researchers, as well as other organizations. Well, unfortunately, Eric lost his battle with cancer this week and has passed. He leaves behind a wife and two young children, 
Eric was just 51 years old. His services will be held Friday and Saturday in his home area of Sturgeon Bay. Markets and overnight electronic activity this morning actually holding firm, at least for right now. We'll be talking dairy markets with Matt Trattle in just a moment. December corn's up a penny right now at 570. November soybeans currently trading about two cents stronger, 1361. July wheat now a penny lower at 717. Yesterday in Chicago, some losses as far as dairy. Barrel cheese dropped three and three quarter cents to one fifty-five and a quarter. Forty-pound block cheese on Wednesday down a penny at a dollar ninety. Double A butter down seven, two thirty-eight a pound. April milk though is up a nickel right now at seventeen sixty-four. May milk down a nickel, seventeen eighty-five a hundredweight in overnight trade. Coming up next, we are going to continue this dairy conversation. Our friend uh, Matt Trannell from Everag is stepping to the microphone. We have been watching what's happening with global production and maybe as important, what's happening with global cheese production and consumption. Matt Trannell, our guest next. This is the Midwest Farm Report with Pam Youngke. You know when you've really made it? When you finally have your own place and you can decorate it the way you want. Your Aunt Betty used to sleep on that old couch. It's time to turn drab into fab with lazy luxury from Lazy Boy Furnishings and Decor. That chair, it belonged to the dog. Time to start styling. Lazy decorators love Lazy Boy. Lazy Boy Home Furnishings and Decor, Madison, East Springs Drive near East Town Mall. We all get hit by the storms of life. I had noticed my legs were swelling, and we went to Maine Medical Hospital, and they said, oh, Mr. Conquest, can you get up for your MRI? And I remember pushing up off the bed, and I fell. Next thing I know, it was three weeks later, and I was paralyzed. It was a pretty low point to not be able to do the things that I love to do. PBA was there the first day. Thanks to PVA, paralyzed veterans are getting specialized medical care and treatments. The benefits they've earned, the jobs they want, and the accessible vehicles and homes they need. PVA has brought me back to life. I've fallen a few times and PVA is like, get up. We just keep getting up. To learn more, go to pva.org today. You know who tells a great story? Our Tom's Auto Center customers, like Blake, who recently gave us a five-star review. It reads, I appreciated the emailed estimate and text message communication about the repairs. Thanks, Blake. Schedule your appointment, tomsautocenter.com. We'll make sure you get five-star service. Tom's Auto Center. Off Highway 51 in McFarland, a stone's throw from McDonald's. We survived rusty playgrounds, no helmets, and drinking from the hose. This is the Midwest Farm Report. Still here and kicking on a Thursday morning. Let's catch up with our friend Matt Trennell, who is one of the broker analysts with Everag, joining us live this morning. So, Matt, uh, a lot of people involved in ag economics, agribusiness, organizations, commodity groups, paying attention USDA has their annual Ag Outlook Forum where they basically take a look at what's happening in U.S. agriculture as 
it revolves globally. One of the things that they talked about is what's going on with corn acres, corn use, corn distribution. And you say that's a conversation that you've started having with dairy producers. Explain why. Yeah, no, that's been a very, very popular conversation that we've had. So uh, USDA came out with their Ag Outlook Forum, and they, they set their numbers as to what their best guess today will be for corn acres, and soybean acres, so on and so forth. And USDA's first guess or estimate, I guess you could say, at planting figures totals about 91 million acres. Now, that isn't a huge surprise compared to what the trade was looking for but it is up 3% and also the most since 2014. So it is garnering the attention of the market. Uh, they also set the trend line yield at 181 and a half bushels, which uh, with big production, with big acres, could increase the ending stocks, assuming a normal growing season. So right in that 1.8, 1.9 billion bushels. So that's kind of the risk to maybe lower corn prices, which would be welcome to dairy producers. Now, couple that with the fact that uh, exports at this present moment are not looking all that great. We're 13% behind what the USDA has pegged on their WASDE report. And so some of those bushels that are expected to be exported could make their way back onto the balance sheets. And where this kind of ties into milk is, as we potentially pressure corn, we don't generally support current values on the board in the second half. There isn't a ton of there isn't a ton of twenty dollar milk when you're looking at four dollar type corn prices. So that's a discussion that we're starting to have. We certainly think that there's a lot of time for this story to unfold and develop, and and honestly, a lot of factors need to play out yet, but you're looking at the U.S. drought monitor here in the United States starting to show uh, a little better story, not as much red or orange area on the drought monitor. Um, You're starting to see the Brazilian crop come in, and the Brazilian crop has been talked about being large, and it it still is. Um, There is some uh, rain that are that is affecting some of that uh, harvest as well as the, uh, the the next safrina crop, but the next safrina crop is expected to be five percent bigger as of today. Um, but obviously things can can change and 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 we'll see how that plays out. But yeah, it, it's really the picture of should we go to a value on corn that's sub four dollars? What are the chances that we hold nineteen fifty to twenty dollar milk? History would say that it doesn't happen all that often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so bottom line is it's still all about risk management, both sides of that story, whether you're a corn grower or whether you're a dairy producer. Let's talk about some other numbers that have been catching attention in the dairy trade, Matt, and that's what's going on with uh, cold storage reports. Sounds like, and maybe I'm reading it wrong, it looks like cheese in cold storage is going down a little bit? Is that because we're not producing as much or is there a demand I'm not aware of? Yeah, so I think based upon the Midwest spot reports that we we get weekly, there's certainly not a shortage of milk that's available to cheese processors. Um, So that's, that's 
that's not really an issue. One of the issues might be more so we've had some plan issues and, and I know there's been some discussions in, in those worlds in regards to labor and getting everything processed. That's probably maybe a bigger story than, than milk supply. But then also we're hearing that demand is actually fairly decent for this time of the year. And I think that's kind of playing into uh, cheese stocks. So cheese stocks ended up falling to right around 1.44 billion pounds, which was below most uh, pre-report estimates. It was below the December uh, month, which, I mean, the five-year average, we see gaining 13.9 million pounds of cheese between December and January. And so what we're kind of seeing is that supplies seem ample day to day, but Ultimately, it seems like there's some pipeline refilling, and there actually does seem to be uh, fairly decent uh, demand out there uh, on cheese right now. Mm-hmm. On the butter side of the equation, uh, we felt that it was a bearish report. Uh, stocks rose to 263 million pounds, which was uh, 46 and a half million pounds uh, greater than December, greater than the five-year average. That seems to support the theory that over the course of the next year, buyers are still going to um, be able to kind of come to the market hand to mouth a little bit, be a little bit more patient, wait for their price points to hit. Hmm. Well, yeah. So we'll wait and see. Now, what about global production? I'm, and you know, I don't want to change spots too quickly, Matt, but um, I'm curious what's going on on the global milk production side of things. We got those numbers, what, a week ago? Yeah. So global production has actually been picking it up for, for a, a little bit of time here. Um, really ever since July started hitting, we ended up getting back to kind of flat milk production compared to the, the prior year, but November really, uh, pushed forward and December really pushed forward as well. Uh, right now the European union, we were talking about them last year, uh, dragging along, they're up about 1%, uh, year over year. Uh, you look at, uh, you look at our production here, we're still up about 1% or right. so. Right. Um, Australia, New Zealand, they're struggling a little bit yet, but they've, they've made back some of their gains. They were um, as much as 5% to 7% lower. Mm-hmm. They're back to maybe 1% behind okay. year-ago levels. So well, production's turning on. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a story that we're going to kind of have to keep it in and, and monitor because like you said, right now we've got a couple different stories that are developing, not the least of which is going to be as far as corn acres and our growing season. Good enough, man. All out of time, but as always, appreciate you getting up with us, Matt. Thanks, and uh, have a good day. Yeah, you too. Catch you later. All right. Matt.